Good morning. Glad you're here this morning. For many people, holiday movies have an important place in their Christmas celebration more and more, it seems like, as we go along. Um, often, they're as much a part of the celebration as decorating the tree. I know, I, I think I said the first week of this series that we watched a Hallmark movie, well, while Cindy was decorating the tree. And I was admiring her work. Um, but she corrected me and told me it was, uh, I mean, I asked her. She didn't just correct me. But uh, it's White Christmas, so I was off. Uh, anyway, in this message series, we've looked at how holiday movies meet the Bible. Uh, we've been looking at themes in popular Christmas movies and then comparing them to what the Bible says about the same theme. For instance, today we're going to look at how God tells time. How do you think God tells time? As life flows by, how does he want you to use life? What does he want you to do with it? We're going to look at a passage that shows us in a few moments what that is. There are two parallel Christmas stories that are mixed into Christmas celebrations in America. One is the traditional story of Santa and his elves. Um, This is more widely separated. And then the other is the historical and spiritual story of the birth of Jesus Christ, who is God's ultimate gift to the world. And that's more narrowly celebrated, but there's a lot of interest around that story at this time of year. In our message series, the Christmas Classics message series, we've been looking at why there are such powerful and parallel themes that run through both stories. We've seen how the spiritual reality of Christmas has impacted the traditional story told in our culture. Rotten Tomatoes has a list of the 50 Best Christmas movies of all time. I'm sure this is based on someone's opinion. You may have other favorites, but uh, we've used number 45, Christmas Vacation, uh, number 32, White Christmas, and today we're jumping all the way to number one. Uh, It's a Wonderful Life. It's the number one movie on this list. It's dramatic, joyful, redemptive. Let's watch the trailer together as we uh, begin the message today. It's against the law to commit suicide around here. Yeah, that's against the law where I come from, too. Where do you come from? Heaven. What did what, what, you say just a minute ago? Why do you want to save me? Was it too much to have them work and pay and live and die in a couple of decent rooms and a bath? Anyway, my father didn't think so. This town needs this measly one-horse institution, if only to have some place where people can come without crawling to Potter. I'm leaving right now. I'm going to school. This is my last chance. But they'll vote with Potter otherwise. You can't laugh off this Bailey Park anymore. Bailey family's been a boil on my neck long enough. 
Do you realize what this means? It means bankruptcy and scandal and prison. That's what it means. I'm worth more dead than alive. Why don't you go to the riffraff you love so much and ask them? I suppose it'd been better if I'd never been born at all. All right. You've got your wish. You've never been born. You've been given a great gift, George. The chance to see what the world would be like without you. There you go. Very gripping story. Follows the life of George Bailey. How many of you have seen this story? I'm thinking number one of all time. Okay, that's a pretty good. You, you've seen the movie. That's good. Most of us. Um, there won't be any spoilers. Tremendous, you know. In in the message, I don't think. Although you're gonna, we're gonna show several clips that tie into the message that. I'm going to try not to give the crux of the storyline. Um, George Bailey has very big dreams, and he's not bashful about broadcasting what he's going to do in the future. Uh, here, here's a scene in a conversation with his father around the dinner table. Let's watch this together. You know, George, I wish we could send Harry to college with you. Your mother and I talked it over half the night. Mm. We had that all figured out. See, Harry will take my job in the building alone, work there for four years, and then he'll go. Hmm. Pretty young for that job. Well, no younger than I was. Well, you were born older, George. How's that? I say you were born older. I suppose you've decided what you want to do when you get out of college. Oh, well, you know what I've always talked about. Build things, design new buildings, plan modern cities. All that stuff I just talked Still about. after that first million before you're 30, huh? No, I'll sell half that in cash. <laughs> of course, it's just a hope, but uh, you wouldn't consider coming back to the building alone, would you? Well, I... I... Well, Annie, why, why don't you draw up a chair? Then you'd be more comfortable and you could hear everything that's going on. I would if I thought I'd hear anything worth listening to. You would, I... <laughs> I know it's soon to talk about it. No, not Pop. I, I couldn't. I, uh, I couldn't face being cooped up for the rest of my life in a shabby little office. The, no, I'm, I'm sorry, Pop. I didn't mean that. I, but I, it, it's this business of nickels and dimes and spending all your life trying to figure out how to save three cents and like the pipe. I go crazy. I, I want to do something big and something important. There you go. In this scene... George has an incredibly cocky, disrespectful attitude toward his dad. It just, it just comes out. When you boast about your future in this way and what you will accomplish, this, invo- this invites God's involvement in your life, but not in the way you want. <laughs> Here's another conversation he has with Mary, the lady he ends up marrying. He begins to share his dreams with her. Here, let's listen in. Mary, I know what I'm going to do tomorrow and the next day and next year and a year after that. I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet and I'm going to see the world. Italy, Greece, the Parthenon, the Colosseum. Then I'm coming back here and go to college and see what they know. And then I'm going to build things. 
I'm going to build airfields. I'm going to build skyscrapers a hundred stories high. I'm going to build bridges a mile long. He's dreaming, charting his course, laying it out there. This brings to mind Proverbs 16.9 for me. The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. This is, this is the way it is. In the movie, George plans for an amazing future, but those plans are derailed over and over and over again. And this frustrates him tremendously. He resents having to stay in Bedford Falls, and he can continually chooses, really, to say no to his dreams. In the end, he discovers that it's a wonderful life that he's had. As he, as he keeps saying no to his dreams, turns out life's been really good. But George goes through some very dark times to learn this lesson. Doesn't have to be that way. <laughs> doesn't have to be that, didn't have to be that way for George. It doesn't have to be this way for us. Often we, we, we have to struggle to learn this lesson. But we can learn without the struggle and avoid some pain and frustration along the way. That's rare, but it can happen. The Bible's perspective is that God will fulfill his purpose for your life one way or the other. And it goes much better if you cooperate with him. <laughs> it, just, it just works out way better. There are all kinds of twists and turns in life. I, I've, I've often thought if just one day would go as I planned, that'd be fantastic. You know, that'd be, that'd be a home run, you know. But the storyline of this movie and the Bible is that the best life possible flows out of sowing seeds of kindness daily as you have opportunity to do so. To make the most of the opportunities for good, we have to set aside our own agenda. George kept setting his aside, and it frustrated him. But this is, this is the life that Jesus calls us to. We set aside our own agenda. We have to give up our own time and resources to help just when we need to focus on something, an opportunity comes along, and we, we, we know we should do it. Jesus said it this way, my followers must deny themselves and take up their cross daily. In saying this, he's trying to show us that God gives life to people who give theirs away. This, this is how God works. Matthew 16, 24 through 26 says, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, in other words, if you're going to follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is the way God has built this law, we'll say, this principle into the way life works. This is the very lesson George Bailey learned the hard way. He kept denying himself and his dreams to do his duty. And over time, he lived a wonderful and meaningful life. He, he just didn't enjoy the ride. <laughs> he really didn't because he was so frustrated 
with the way life was going. You can learn this lesson the hard way and become frustrated and angry and resentful like George, or you can choose intentionally to deny yourself, to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ and allow him to lead your life and then sow seeds of kindness as God brings one opportunity after another for good. And then you trust him to make life good. You trust God with this. This is the way it works. Jesus is saying that if you lose your life this way, you find it. What's interesting is that George Bailey's dad, he understood this. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty sure George did as well. After he died, this sign was placed under his picture after his dad died. Uh, all you can take with you is that which you've given away. To live the best life as Jesus defines it, we must make a series of everyday choices. We keep choosing. We make certain choices. And that's why this movie is the number one movie, Christmas movie of all time, because this resonates with us. We know this is the way it is. There's something in us that, that makes us realize we know this is how it works. Paul was a first century church pioneer and a leader of pastors. He would go around the Roman Empire and plant a church, and then he would follow up with those churches. And in a letter he wrote to one of those churches that he had started, he echoes what Jesus is saying uh, in, a, in a different way. He puts it in a different way. But basically he says, Christ followers should keep looking for opportunities to do good. This, this is what we do. If we're following Jesus, we're going to have opportunities to do good, and we keep looking for those opportunities. It's going to mean that we've got to set our agenda aside. We've got to give our time and resources to meet those opportunities. But this is what we do. Galatians 6, 7 through 10 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. This passage is built around an agricultural mindset of sowing and reaping. This, is, this would make sense to the people it was written to. We plant seeds, and then we reap what we plant. You don't plant tomato seeds and harvest corn, do you? I mean, you don't. You don't plant wheat kernels and harvest squash. You reap a harvest of what you plant Exactly in proportion. It's a simple con concept to grasp, really. Focus on yourself and reap corruption. Galatians 6, 7, and 8, the first part of 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh, or sinful nature in the translation we read earlier, 
from the flesh will reap corruption. The flesh in this passage refers to our sinful, self-centered nature. If you focus on yourself and sow seeds of self-interest, you reap corruption. Corruption in the language, this was written in Greek originally, and the word corruption literally means disintegration or decomposition, something that falls apart. So you, you reap if you sow selfishly as the li- your life flows by. Basically what happens is you, you reap disintegration and decomposition. Life falls apart. We can, flow to the, we can sow to the flesh in different ways. One way is to indulge in pleasures that are out of bounds. Another is to push ahead with our own agenda when we know really we, we need to stop and give time to these folks. We need to help them with their goals. Or maybe we spend our money selfishly and we ignore the consequences and we can reap <laughs> some really rough stuff in that area. Often, we don't always see the harvest that we plant right away. It takes time. It would be nice if we had George's experience. Uh, At a dark moment in his life, he hits rock bottom. Then God gives him a glimpse of Bedford Falls if he never existed. In the story, God sends an angel named Clarence. Here's a picture of Clarence. Not my view of what angels look like. Uh, the theology in the movie at this point is a little questionable. <laughs> we won't go into that. Uh, okay, maybe we will. I, I just can't resist. The idea you get from the movie is that people earn their wings and turn into angels. That's not what you find in the Bible. Angels are beings created by God for a specific purpose. So anyway, enough said about that theology there. Um, Clarence, though, shows George the positive impact of all the good he'd been doing throughout his life, even going back to his childhood. If you take away all the good George has done in his lifetime, that little town would have decomposed, would have unraveled. Here's here's a scene where they, they talk about this. Sure, this is Bailey Park? No, I'm not sure of anything anymore. All I know is this should be Bailey Park. But where are the houses? You are here to build them. Your brother, Harry Bailey, broke through the ice and was drowned at the age of nine. That's a lie. Harry Bailey went to war. He got the Congressional Medal of Honor. He saved the lives of every man on that transport. Every man on that transport died. Harry wasn't there to save them because you weren't there to save Harry. You see, George, you really had a wonderful life. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to throw it away? Clarence. Yes, George? Where's Mary? 
Oh, well, I, I, I can't... Uh... I don't know how you know these things, but tell me, where is she? I'm if not... you know where she is, tell me where my wife is. I'm not supposed to tell. Please, Clarence, tell me where she is. You're not going to like it, George. Where is she? She's an old maid. She never married. Where is Mary? Where is she? she... Where is she? She's just about to close up the library. There must be some easier way for me to get my wings. <laughs> That's a really powerful scene, highlighting the difference one life can make in their, their city, in their family, among the people that walk by and, and are, get involved in their life. George didn't think he was doing anything special. He thought special was out there. Somewhere else, not Bedford Falls. But he was just responding to opportunities as they came by in the moment. We, we can't really know the difference we're making right now, and I think that's a good thing because it would feed our pride <laughs> to know the difference we're making. It's frustrating sometimes when you're faithful and you serve over and over and over again every day, and you don't see the difference that you're making, but... God, in his kindness, gives us a glimpse every once in a while. Today and tomorrow and the next day, we have to live by faith. Making the most of the opportunities that God gives us, making ourselves available to be used by him as he pleases. In contrast to being self-focused, the last half of Galatians 6.8 tells us to focus on God's will and reap real life. Galatians 6, 8. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Christ follower can make a big difference in the community at large, right here in your town, right here in your home, in your family. If we do good to others, we help preserve our families. We help Keep them from unraveling. We help preserve our community. We keep it together. God uses us to keep our family and communities from disintegrating. This is one of the major purposes of our lives that God uses us for. To do this, though, we must live by faith because the results are seldom immediate. They're not instant. If you keep sowing seeds of kindness today, you will harvest from in the future from those seeds. And it's a harvest that will last forever. It, it'll go on and on and on. You reap eternal life. The perspective of the Bible is that eternal life isn't just there and then. But when you decide to follow Christ, it invades your present because you begin to live the life that you're going to live on forever and ever if you choose to follow Christ. If you choose to follow him, eternal life, you're given it, and you begin to experience a different quality of life. And then it's sort of like you, it's, it's a seed that's planted in your heart. And the more and more you begin to obey and follow Jesus, the wider it grows. And you begin to experience more and more of the life 
that God intends for you and I. That's how it works. It's a harvest that lasts forever, and you can take with you what you give away. As a church community, this is what we want to do as a whole, and it's why we have opportunities to be involved in uh, service projects from time to time. Here's a pic, uh, picture of the crew that served at the Ontario City Reindeer Run. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We're, we're just trying to help. We want to be a blessing to the city. This is God's intent for our lives. Jeremiah was a prophet who played a specific role among God's people during some dark times in Israel's history. He lived during a time when the people of God uh, in Jerusalem were invaded and they were carried off as exiles to the land of Babylon. Throughout history, God's commanded his people to bless the cities that they're in. Jeremiah 29.7 says, Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Jeremiah was a righteous man. He brought light to his community through his faithfulness to carry out his assignment that God had given him. And this made an impact in his day. You and I can have an impact in our day as well, as life flows by, one moment by moment. Uh, if we will sow seeds of kindness, we can bless our families, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our city. This is what George Bailey experienced. He reaped a harvest years later in his life. Right near the end of the movie, we see George prospering as people give back to him. Let's, let's watch this scene. telegram. Good idea, Ernie. A toast <laughs> to my big brother, George, the richest man in town. <laughs> It came after years of frustration, laying aside his agenda, giving people time. Um, you'll have to watch the movie if you haven't seen it to get the backstory of the people who were chipping in there at the end of it. To experience the harvest God desires to give us, we must keep sowing day by day. This means we have to refuse to grow weary 
in doing good. Galatians 6, 9-10, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let's do good to everyone, and especially those who are of that household of faith. The word opportunity here is a Greek word, kairos. There are two Greek words for time. One is chronos, which is linear time. It's how we tell time, minute by minute, day by day, hour by hour, day by day. Chronos is time marching forward. And that's not the only way to tell time. Kairos is another word for time. It can be translated a season of time or opportunity, a season of opportunity. Kairos is a season of opportunity, a set of circumstances where you can accomplish something. So circumstances come together, they're just right, and you have the opportunity to do something. We need to learn how to recognize the opportunities that flow by in our lives. After they pass by, we never have that opportunity again. It just doesn't come back. This is how God tells time. He's outside of time. He's watching our lives. He's trying to see how we use the opportunities that flow by in our lives. He doesn't tell time in seconds, minutes, hours, and days. But one opportunity to the next. Sometimes we get worn down in life and pressure mounts to the point where we, we don't know what to do and we get discouraged. It's at these points, we're most tempted to go after what we want, to sow to the flesh, to, to sow to the sinful nature. When we're weary in doing good, we need to ask God for help. He will give help, wisdom, and strength to know how to best use the opportunity in front of us. What are the opportunities in your life right now? Are you a parent? Boy, that'll, that'll wear you out. I'm a grandparent. Just watching my grandkids for a little bit wears me out. You know, but you, you can get weary in doing good. The good, the, taking the time to train the kids, to explain to them what's going on, to, to meet their needs that they can't meet. Are you a spouse? Are you a husband or a wife? You live a long time in a marriage with the person you're married to. Are you, are you growing weary of dealing with their little quirky habits? <laughs> are you getting tired of always being the one to do that thing? Hey, just keep doing good, showing kindness. Are you a coworker? To someone who's struggling, maybe they're struggling in life. You have resources that could be a help. You have time that's available to serve. Every day, look for opportunities to sow seeds of kindness. And watch as God grows a harvest in your life. It's going to take time. He'll give you a glimpse, but not quite as dramatic as the one George got. As I wrap up, I want to encourage you to take a next step today. I've suggested a couple. Uh, Here they are. They're on the back of the connection card. If you'd like to let us know uh, what those steps are, uh, they're on the left-hand box. 
Uh, and I encourage you to take one of these or something else God's laid on your heart to do as a result of the message. My next step today is take the opportunity to, maybe as I've been talking, someone's come to mind, and you've thought about an opportunity to sow a seed of kindness. If that's the case, take that opportunity. Uh, another step would be ask God for strength in the battle with discouragement. Maybe you've been struggling, just getting tired of doing good. It's like, I'm always the one that has to do the good. Ask God for strength. Take some time to pray over that. A third step you can take is to invite your neighbors, your family, and friends to next week's Christmas service. We left a blank there for you to write down uh, the names of those that you want to invite. Uh, We're going to have two services, 9.30 and 11. Uh, Take a moment to write down the names of those you'd, you'd love to be here with us on that day. Your friends and family are more open to accepting uh, an invitation to church right now. This is a Kairos moment. This is this is a season of opportunity. Uh, it's a pe- uh, it's a time when people want to know more about the original Christmas story, more about what it's about. So next week we're going to have a, a program that will celebrate the spiritual historical story of Christ's birth and its significance, and we're also going to see how the traditional story of Santa and his elves finds its roots in history, the original St. Nicholas. When you decide to follow Christ, what he does is he leads you toward a life of generosity. One opportunity that's flowing by at a time, setting aside your own agenda, taking the time, using your resources to give, to lose your life so that you can find it, as Jesus said. This kind of life is the path to joy. This this is the way it really works. So take some time to pray for and invite your friends and family to our Christmas celebration next week. Uh, I think they'll enjoy themselves and enjoy uh, the meaningful time together. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for... Your goodness to us, we thank you for the truth that we see in your word that really does set us free from our own self, our own sinful nature, our flesh. Thank you, Jesus, for the price you paid to buy our freedom. We praise you and honor you and thank you for it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.